Yeah, I've had people call me lots of nice names, lots of nice titles. And the only title I've ever wanted to have is to be God's delivery boy from God's bakery, giving living bread to dying men around the world. And uh, I'm just really glad God's still using available mud. Amen. Jesus spit on the dirt one day and made, a, made anointed mud out of it and wiped it on blind eyes and they were opened. And he's still using available mud today. So I'm, I'm delighted to be here. It's always a, a privilege and an honor to be with Pastor Art and Joanne and, and in this great church. And uh, we go back a long, long, long way. And it's nice to have friends. <clears throat> Excuse me. Nice to have friends in the gospel. Amen. Well, say this with me and then you can be seated. I know God is good. Say like you mean it. I know God is good. And I know his word is truth. Isn't that a comforting statement? And they're not true. Jesus didn't say God's word is true. He said, Father, thy word is truth. Wow. Well, if you believe that, you can be seated. Praise the Lord. You know, we're living in an America where we don't really, <clears throat> we don't really believe in absolute truth anymore. But this missionary still believes in absolute truth. And whenever, when I found that scripture in the word of God all those many, many years ago as a teenager, it developed an unshakable confidence on the inside of this teenager that if I could find it in the Bible, I could take it to the bank. If I could find it in the Bible, I could make it work. Jesus said, Father, thy word is truth. Wow, aren't you glad that the news media is not truth? The politicians aren't truth. <laughs> uh, the truth is whatever God said. And aren't you glad we know that? We have the inside information. We have the inside track. We've got insider trading. That we, we understand that uh, if we can find it in the Bible, it's right. It's truth. It's absolute truth. And we can, we can live by it. We can take it to the bank. We can, we can use it day in and day out. And it gives us an advantage over anybody and everybody else. Aren't you glad that, you know, the Apostle Paul said, we're not just mere men. We don't think like other people. We don't act like other people. Amen. We're not, we're not in fear like other people. We're different. We're a peculiar people, the Bible says. We're a royal priesthood. Amen. I mean, we're a holy people, a holy generation. We have a holy God. Every, I don't know about you, but every now and then I just, I just go around and just say, holy God. Oh, holy God. <laughs> Holy God. Holy God. Oh my, what a, what a word. Holy God. And we're a holy people. Praise God. I'm just so delighted that, we, that there's a difference in atheists and disciples. <laughs> Amen. We're disciples. We're not atheists. We don't think like them, act like them, smell like them, look like them, dress like them, talk like them. Isn't that right? Well, we're, we're disciples. And there's a difference in atheists and disciples. This is the day that we were made for. This is the day the church was made for. Art and I have been preaching what we would call the word of faith for 50 years. I mean, since I was a teenager. And we've been teaching you for five decades at least Hallelujah. to confess the word, to talk the word, 
to speak the word, to act on the word, to think the word. <clears throat> that we're word people. We go to a word church. We have a word pastor. We sing word songs. Our bird's a word bird. Our dog's a word dog. I mean, we, we, we're word. Amen? We're not like everybody else. We're motivated by the word, controlled by the word, affected by the word, influenced by the word. We get up to go somewhere, we don't stop and think, oh my, what if I get sick and die out there? No, we say, hey, I'm a word guy. I'm a word woman. Our kids are word kids. Amen? And we just go operate in the word. Hallelujah. We're saturated in the word, vaccinated in the word. I remember one time, decades and decades ago, my wife and I came back from Mexico. We were living in Mexico as missionaries, and we came back, and, and, and they had just invented, I guess for the first time ever, they had just invented a vaccine or a, or a shot for the flu. And so my grandmother and two or three of my aunts were sitting around talking, and I'm visiting with them, and they said, uh, they said now, Mother, so we got to take you this week to get your flu shot. And so they talked about that for a little while. And then they looked at me. One of my aunts looked at me and said, Terry, have y'all got your flu shot yet? I said, oh, yeah, we got it a long time ago. Yeah. And, and she said, what? And I said, oh, yeah, we, we, we were vaccinated. We got it a long time ago. And she said, they just invented it. You've been in Mexico. They, you just got here. You, you couldn't have. I said, oh, no, Psalms 91 says no plague. <laughs> no plague. No plague. No plague. No plague comes to my dwelling. No evil. No evil. No evil befalls us. By the stripes of Jesus, we're healed. Our, 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 our flu's already paid for. Paid in blood. You know, sometimes, Pastor Art, Christians talk about the promises in the Bible, the promises of healing. And I, I tell them all the time, we don't have any promises of healing. We have purchases. Jesus purchased it. Jesus paid for it. I mean, Jesus paid for it with his own blood. He purchased our healing. He bought it and paid for it. And by those stripes, by those stripes, we are healed. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad to be in church. Thank God for church. Hallelujah. Thank God for church. Gracias a Dios por la iglesia. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell you, we can, we can say to this mountain, quítate, échate en el mar. <laughs> get up and get out of my way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just so glad to see that you're in church. That's what we do. We don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some do. The Bible says as some do. Well, you can look around all over town today, all over the state, all over America, all over the world, and I tell you, some are doing it. <laughs> some are forsaking the assembling of themselves together. But I tell you, we, the Bible says we don't do that. <clears throat> we don't do that. We're family. We get together with the family and we encourage each other. And we lift up each other. You know, my calendar typically is full. And uh, I'm a missionary. been a missionary for 52 years since I was 18 years old. That makes me 70 now if you're doing the math. And, uh, and so since I was an 18-year-old kid, I've gone to the world. 
And I try to go every other month or six times a year, and I try to make it to a developing country or a third world country. And I do go to first world countries from time to time, and I get lots of invitations to those, but I prefer the developing countries, and I prefer the more primitive countries and third world countries and that sort of thing. So, so we try to go every, every other, <coughs> excuse me, every other month. And, uh, and have done that for forever and ever and ever. And uh, all of a sudden, with this COVID thing, then, then the world has shut down. I mean, the whole world shut down. It breaks my heart. Uh, you know, Mexico is my first love. I, oh, I, you know, God, we moved to Mexico when I was just a kid. I, I had my first missionary trip when I was 18 years old. I lived in the jungles of Panama with an Indian tribe that didn't wear clothes. And uh, we, 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 we lived wildcat style. No catch, no eat. If I shot a monkey, we ate monkey. If I shot a parrot, we ate parrot. If I didn't shoot anything, we didn't eat anything. And, uh, and so uh, that was a long time ago. And uh, so all these years I've been doing that. And then all of a sudden the world just shut down. And I, I talked to you and my, our dear friend Wayne and Martha Myers the other day and and uh, Brother Wayne said, well, son, said, I guess I'm not going to have my birthday party this year. You know, I'll be 98 next month in August. And uh, he said, I knew they got everything shut down. And the churches in Mexico are shut down until the end of August. I mean, they're not in church today. And uh, I'm preaching in them today because I'm sending videos down there. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm online and, and Renee and I are preaching in Pakistan in the Urdu language. You ought to hear me speak in Urdu. Gee whiz! You ought to go to my Facebook page. It'd be it'd be worth your trip to my Facebook page just to just to hear her talking Urdu. Uh, I don't know who they hired to be our voices, but they don't sound like me and her. But they but they're preaching good word, and uh, <clears throat> just makes me so mad that they won't let us preach. And I said we're just going to preach everywhere. Amen. And so uh, Mexico is my first love, and it shut down. And, and I told Brother Wayne the other day, I said, Brother Wayne, the instant, the instant, the instant they open it up, the instant I'll be at your house. I'll be there. I'll wash your feet. I'll be, I'll be there with you and Miss Martha. But I said, you know, they won't let us come right now, and I'm so sorry. And I just never dreamed in all my wildest dreams that they'd ever shut down the world and not let us preach the gospel. I wrote a letter to our nation. I wrote a letter to the U.S. government, to the Treasury Department. I said, it's not right that you forbid us to preach the gospel. It's not right. It's not right. This is America. It's not right that you forbid us to preach the gospel. People are going to hell because of it. And what I started to say is our calendar is always full. And uh, <clears throat> both, with, um, uh, uh, both with trips in America, preaching in partner churches like this, great partner church, and preaching overseas in, in other countries. And uh, so we had a huge crusade uh, scheduled for the first week of May in Pakistan. And we were, we were, we were promised 100,000 people in the crowd. Renee and I had already committed to rent 600 buses at $100 a piece, $60,000, just for buses to bring the people to the crusade. And these people are Muslim. They're not Christians. They're Muslims. And Pastor Art, <clears throat> I've said to Renee so many times since this thing started, I said, if anything good, if anything good has come out of the world shut down and the COVID-19, hopefully it's to wake up the church. Hopefully the church will come out of this thing awake and realize that missions, say missions, 
that missions is the only cause that counts. Because what's happened right now is we, we had to say we can't come preach to those 100,000 Muslims. Which means if they die, they'll go to hell. I want you to get that in your head. I want you to get that in your heart. Now, had Pastor Art canceled me and said, Terry, we just can't have you come, I'd have said, no big deal. Your people are Christians. If you don't hear me, it's no big deal. You're, you're going to go to heaven. If y'all died today, you'd go to heaven. You die tomorrow, you're going to heaven. You die next week, you're going to heaven. Die next month, you're going to heaven. You, 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 if you don't hear me preach, that's no great loss. You're going to heaven. Now, if you hear me preach, I'll help you. I'll give you some good word uh, as a Christian, you know. Uh, you're, you're Christians. I'll teach the taught this morning. I'll teach the taught. I'll make a few disciples, I hope. But yet, if I weren't here, you'd be okay. With those hundred thousand Muslims, are going to hell. I hope the church sees the difference. Because see, Pastor Frank, for centuries, for centuries, if you went to any church person of any denomination, I don't care if they're Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Pentecostal, I don't care what they are. If you went to any church person of any kind over the last few centuries and you said to them, what's the Great Commission? They'd say to you, well, it's winning the lost. Right? Everybody knows that. It's, it's winning souls. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. Damned to where? Hell. For how long? Eternity. There's no turning back. Once you get to that point, there is no... You can't pray them out of purgatory. Doesn't matter how much money you give the priest. Once they go to hell, it's over, it's done. <clears throat> and Jesus said, if they don't believe, if they don't hear the gospel and they don't believe the gospel, they'll be damned to hell for eternity. And everybody knew that. Every Catholic knew it. Every Baptist knew it. Every Pentecostal knew it. Every Church of Christ knew it. Every Presbyterian knew it. Everybody knew that. For centuries they knew it. But Pastor Art, hell has come up with a, with a, hell has come up in the last 30 years with a revelation that she sold to the church of Jesus Christ. And now if you ask the last 30 years, if you ask any Christian of any stripe of any denomination, you say, what's the Great Commission? They'd tell you, they'd say, making disciples. It's making disciples. It's making disciples. No, it's not. No, that's a lie from hell. That came from hell. It's to lull the church to sleep that you don't have to win souls. It's to let you feel, let you feel better. It's to let the church off the hook and say, oh, well, we, we, it's just making disciples. It's okay. No, no, no. It's winning souls. Nothing wrong with winning, making disciples. Nothing wrong with teaching the taught. I'm doing that this morning. Nothing wrong with it. But it's not missions. 
It's not the Great Commission. It's not what Jesus bled and died for. It's not what Paul's head was cut off for. It's not what Peter was crucified upside down for. It's not what Thomas was horribly run through with lances in India for. It's not why, why, it's not why they were hanged and beaten and, and sawed asunder, the Bible says. It's not, that's not why those disciples gave their lives and bled and died. It was for missions. It was for soul winning. It was for reaching the lost so they would not spend eternity in hell. But somehow in the last 30 years, the church has come up with this idea from hell saying, well, missions is just making disciples. No, 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 it's not. And I hope if anything good comes out of this COVID, the church will wake up and say, look at here. People are going to hell around the world because we can't win souls. Because we can't preach the gospel. Oh, we can still be in church and make disciples. Nothing wrong with that, but it's not missions. It's not, it's not the Great Commission. Amen? So pray with me that this world opens up. This world needs to open up, not so we can have a vacation, but so we can go to the go win souls. I grieve. Joanne, I, I've been grieving since this started. I've been grieving over those people in Pakistan. I've been grieving over them. Oh God, the 100,000 people I was going to present Jesus to. 100,000 Muslims, Lord, I was going to present Jesus to them. That they could accept Him as their Lord and Savior. That they could go to heaven and not be damned to hell. Now, USA Today has said a number of times over the years, they've said, Oprah Winfrey is the pastor and the spiritual guru of America. Well, I don't know Oprah, and I'm not her judge. I'm sure she's a fine lady, and she does a lot of philanthropic stuff to help people. I'm, I'm sure she's a fine lady, but she's not my pastor. She's not my spiritual leader. And I've heard her sermons. I've heard them. I've listened to her. I've heard her sermons. Her sermon is this. You serve whatever deity you want to serve and you'll be okay. I've heard her say that many a time. Now that will take you to hell. That will take you to hell. A survey came out a few years ago and says that the 80% of young people in America believe there's many paths to God. I wish that were true. I'm a missionary. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I wish that were true. I wish Oprah were right. Yeah. If she was right, nobody would cheer louder than me. I go to Hindu lands and there are 330 million gods and I cry and I say, oh God, oh God, I wish Hinduism would work. I don't want these people to go to hell. Oh God, I don't want them to go to hell. I wish Hinduism would work. They've got 330 million gods. Surely, surely that's good. Yeah. But it's not. I go to Buddhist lands and I say, oh God, these people are so precious. I wish Buddha would work. I don't want them to go to hell, but Buddhism won't work. I go to Japan and I say, oh God, Shintoism, I wish it would work. I wish these Shinto priests were right, but they're not. I go to Islamic nations and say, oh God, I wish Islam was right. I wish they'd go to heaven, but they won't. Because Jesus, remember what Jesus said? Jesus, remember Jesus? 
Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the door, I am the resurrection. No man comes to the Father but by me. I wish he hadn't have said that. I really do. I'm a missionary. I don't want him to go to hell. I wish Jesus hadn't said that. I wish he could have, I wish he'd have said, no, you know, just there's many paths to God. He didn't say that. I even have some friends, and you do too, dear friends of ours that got on this kick a number of years ago preaching that the Jews have a dual covenant, that the Jews don't need Jesus, the Jews don't have to accept Jesus. They just, they just get to go to heaven because they're a Jew. I wish that was true. I wish it were true. But I went to those friends of mine and the friends of yours, I went to them and I said, hey, when Jesus, when Jesus stood up and looked them in the eye, and said, no man comes to the Father but by me. I said, who was he talking to? Jews. Jesus was talking to Jews when he looked them in the eye and said, no man comes to the Father but by me. I wish there were many paths to God. I wish I could just say, eh, I don't have to go preach to those Muslims, those Hindus, those Buddhists, those atheists, those animists, those, 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 those Shinto. I don't have to go preach to them. I'm just going to stay home and play with my grandbabies. I'm just going to go to the lake and fish. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay home and enjoy my wife and, and, and family and just, I, I'll never eat another worm. I'll never eat another monkey. I'll never, I'll, I'll never sleep in a jungle again. I'll, I'll just stay home and sleep in my own bed. But I'm like the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 1. He said, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel to those that are at Rome also. He said, I'm in debt. I'm a debtor. You know, us word of faith folks, we've preached for a lot of decades you need to get out of debt. But you know, even if you get out of financial debt, you'll still be in spiritual debt to, for, to the day you go to heaven. We owe the gospel. Paul said, I'm a debtor. I owe the gospel to those that are at Rome also. And he said, as much as in me is, I'm ready. I'm ready. And he said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Those three things, I'm a debtor, I'm ready, and I'm not ashamed. And yet the church has never felt like she's a debtor. Never felt like she's in debt. She's never been ready. And she's always been ashamed. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. As much as in me is, I'm ready. Because I'm a debtor. I owe. He could have sat back and just propped his feet up and watched television and written books and been happy that he had preached all over everywhere, but he said, I can't. I'm a debtor. I owe the gospel to those there at Rome also. <clears throat> they came and cried and fell on his neck and begged him and pleaded with him. Paul, don't go, don't go, please don't go, please don't go. They'll put you in jail. Agabus the prophet came out and said, the man that owns this girdle, is Paul's girdle, the man that owns this girdle will be bound up just like this. And this wasn't a false prophet, Joanne. This, was a, this wasn't a prophet of light, an evil spirit. It says, that this, it says that Agabus prophesied by the Holy Ghost. 
And Paul said, why do you break my heart and fall on me and weep and cry and beg me not to go? I'm, I have to go. I have to go. Woe to me if I don't go. They said, but you'll be put in jail. And he, said, he made this statement. He said, I'm willing to be put in jail and to die also. What happened to him? They put him in jail and cut his head off. He died also. But he wasn't willing to not go pay that debt. We've got to be about the master's business. If any good at all comes from this COVID thing, I, my prayer is that it wakes the church up to realize there's a difference in making disciples, in teaching the taught, or reaching the lost and fulfilling the Great Commission. That if we don't preach to the taught, they're going to be okay. Thank God they're going to be okay. But if we don't preach to the lost, if we don't preach to the lost, they'll go to hell. Or one time I had a huge crusade in India. 100,000 people in the crowd. Blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, cripples walk, miracle. I mean, heaven bends low and kiss the earth, and we got caught right in the middle of the smack. It was, it was marvelous every time. And uh, then I had 2,500 pastors I was training in the daytime. And it was 120 degrees. It was hot. I'd been going for 10 days. I was tired. When I'm in a crusade, I don't visit with people. I don't go out and party and play and visit and go out to eat. I eat one meal a day at noon. I fast the rest of the time. And then I, I preach to those pastors and just pour my heart out in the day and then at night to the crusade for miracles and salvations. And it was just, it was just a powerful trip. And, and, one, and, I, and one day I was just about, about, about three quarters of the way through the crusade, I was just tired. And uh, I mean, when you're fighting hell every night, you're fighting those demons every night, and you're you're praying for salvation every night, and blind eyes open, and deaf ears unstop. I mean, it, it takes a toll. <clears throat> the anointing's a marvelous thing, but it is costly. <laughs> it does cost you. And uh, and one night I came back to the hotel, and I was just so tired. And when I walked in the hotel, they were having a Hindu wedding. And I started up to my room and I just caught my eye. The wedding caught my eye. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to walk in there and just, just watch for a few minutes. Weddings are nice. Weddings are happy. Weddings are fun. I'll just, I'll just walk in there. I haven't, I haven't had my mind on anything but casting out devils and, you know, and, and I'll just, I'll just walk in there and lean against the wall and just kind of watch these happy people. So I did. I just snuck in or didn't sneak. I walked in and just leaned up to the wall and I'm just watching, you know. People are dancing and they're partying and they're wealthy people. The bride and the groom were, were sick. Big old, the, 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 the groom rode in the hotel on a horse, you know, and had his big turban on, his big Sikh turban and, you know, had his big sword and, and, and you know, and the, the, the bride was dressed in her gold sari and she had her nose ring, you know, chained from her nose to her ear and, and just all she was decked out, you know, and he was decked out. And, and they're just, everybody's happy, everybody's partying, everybody's eating, everybody's dancing, everybody's just carrying on. And I'm just leaning up there just watching it all. And, uh, and then the bride and groom went over in this little pagoda-like thing with the Hindu priest. And he began to throw stuff in the fire and it began to come up like that and then they begin to dance around the fire, the bride and the groom. 
And I'm sitting there watching them. And uh, the bride was, would spin around and spin around and go around the fire and go around the fire. And, and, and she turned once and when she did, she, she caught my eye. And when she did, it's like I looked right into her soul. And the saddest day of a Hindu woman's life is the day she becomes a bride. It's the saddest day of her life when she becomes a bride. Because she becomes, she goes from being her daughter, her, her daddy's daughter, princess, to being a piece of property that's abused and misused. 